A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, again, whenever you might be listening to this. Welcome back. Happy New Year. We're back in for the National League podcast with a brand new intro video and a shorter intro for those on Spotify. I mean, if you've not watching this on YouTube, go and check our new intro out and our new graphics that we've got. And you'll see this week, you'll be very, very thankful. I'm not alone. I'm back with another presenter. I'm back with my man, Aaron Diskin. How are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. It's a pleasure and a relief to be back, really. It's, we were just speaking. It's been about four or five weeks, my absence. So I'm just uh, really sort of happy to be back in the swing of things. And it's been a good Christmas period for my team, which we'll touch upon rather shortly. Um, but yeah, everything's good. Yeah. Everything's good. You had to go into that straight away, didn't you? Like we're not even a minute <laughs> into the recording, and you're going, "Ah, oh, yeah, it was a really good Christmas period for Oldham." Who was it for you, Grant? It was awful, awful. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Do you know what? Should we just rip the plaster off? I know we had it down yeah. the pecking order, but should we just rip the plaster off and do it straight away? Because this is getting potential, doesn't it, to, do to go it. on? Yeah, I'm gonna rip it off. So let's 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 talk about <laughs> Oldham versus Hartlepool and Hartlepool versus Oldham. I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit about double headers here because the national before before I get into the game, in the national league for those that don't know it. I mean, if you don't know anything about the national league, you can listen to this. What you're doing, I am. But thank you also for listening. There's always a double header um, fixture weekend, so you get, both teams play each other on Boxing Day and then in and around New Year. And it's really for a travel kind of thing. You play teams that are generally closer to yourself, so it helps the players around festive period and it also helps the fans because you wouldn't want to be taking a trip from, say, Hartlepool down to Yeovil. I'm just picking a random team um, on Boxing Day or on New Year's Day. I think it's the best thing for, for everyone to do it. But 
yeah, let's let's crack in. How 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 do you want to to start this it, other than tearing, tearing just to touch upon just to touch upon the 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 festive fixtures a little bit. It's funny though because you say that they try and make it local. In my mind, I know I know it can't just it's not maybe as easy as that, but I don't understand why they don't do like a like a Oldham versus an Altrincham or like an Oldham versus a Rochdale and like a Hartlepool versus a, I'm not good with geography, but somewhere somewhere sort of get, close. Get it's still like yeah, it's still like a what is it like a two hour journey? Uh, two hour three hour journey is it? It's, yeah, it's still like it's about two three hours. Something like Gateshead would have been better. Even yeah, York probably would have been better. It just seems like they don't plan it very well. But then again, we, we, the the whole uh, EFL, I mean, uh, National League and, and the, uh, I don't want to get into trouble, but the, the I think it just comes into like the, everything we were saying about not just the people that make the decision in the league, but the referee, like referees, everything just seems to be a bit of a poor standard really. But I do, I guess it works in a positive way, like the fact that, I'm going to just mention it again, but we'll go into it in detail. After we beat you on Boxing Day, I was very confident we were then going to beat you on the 30th because I was like, you, we, you both know how both teams are going to play unless unless somebody springs a massive tactical surprise. You know what I mean? You, you know what you're dealing with and I guess it makes it easier in that sort of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm, I mean, we did change our tactics up from Boxing Day yeah. to... So we changed from a back five to, to a back four. We we moved like Jake Hasty further up the pitch from being a right wing back, which is just not, and I don't know why John Askey's ever played him at right wing back. He's he played him as a left winger. I prefer Jake Hasty on the right as a winger. I but I gave him the ability to cut inside, but I don't really think he got the chance to be able to do anything. I've probably seen the Jake Hasty that I've known for most of the time he's been at Bulls being kind of a mix between bang average and shit. Um, I, I, I can't help but like Jake Hasty though. There's just a, a slight affinity to him. I don't know what it is. It's probably the same sort of affinity that I had to make fond up when he when he was at us. <laughs> Maybe that affinity to him's gone now after the after the jumping into the way end antics after scoring. But yeah, probably justified <laughs> that he done that as well. But do do you find the first game between the two of us was? Two poor teams playing against each other because we, I, I think we were both awful. Yeah, definitely. I, I said that to you in our private chat, didn't I? I said first half we were we were terrible, and you know, I, did you go in? A, it was half to, one nil at half time, weren't it? To you, was it? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I, I try. I'm, I'm already trying to raise these two games let, from my memory. Let me have a look at the, let me have a look at the times. No, no, it wasn't one nil at all. So you you took the lead after five minutes. And then yep, Super, Super Joshua Stones, who is now left because of an injury, which is gutting, but we'll get on to that, um, equalised after nine minutes. But in the first half, I didn't think we were... We weren't precise enough with our passing. There was too many misplaced passes. And we just kind of let you control the, control the flow of the game. But in the second half, I think all it was is the fact that, I mean... I'm not going to be too harsh on him because I know he's got a bad injury at the minute, but you've got Josh Romero leading your line and we've got James Norwood and that was the difference. You know, yeah. when you've got when you've got somebody of that sort of ilk and that sort of nature, you know you any sort of half chance you expect him to put away and he put two away in the second half. 
Well, um, senior club didn't have the bollocks to suspend Norwood, though, as they did to suspend well, Reed. So, from what I saw on the um, video, so Reed is filming it for his Instagram story. Harrison Maguire says, "Why the fuck are we here?" And then Norwood, all Norwood does for all I can see is he's kind of look at the camera and shake his head. As but I think it's more of a shake of disapproval as in like why are you saying that you know like rather than like mm. a shake of disapproval of like we're in over Christmas but I was speaking to someone within the football club actually and I think what makes it worse so I thought I thought that whole fiasco was because we were absolutely awful against Gateshead at home like maybe three days before whenever it was but the players knew that they were going to be in on, on Christmas day for a two-hour training period right at the start of the month so to, for me, you can't complain about that. If you already knew about it, then there shouldn't be any complaints. I could kind of understand it if it was like a Mickey Mellon sort of decision off, off the back of a bad yeah. result. But it was already in the schedule, so I don't know why anyone was complaining. I don't think I don't think there's really much room to complain about as a professional footballer if you're going in for a couple hours training session on Christmas Day because, I mean, really, you're playing on... Boxing Day. Boxing Day yeah. Regardless, I think I don't think Hartlepool trained on Christmas Day at all, and I think they should. I think they should be, especially how we are playing yeah. at the moment. Premier League teams they train on Christmas Day because they've got games on Boxing Day. Same with um, league teams; they all train on, on Christmas Day for games on Boxing Day. I think to expect to not train when you've got a game the next day is pretty naive. Yeah. I think the suspension yeah, is, is is right for Reed, but I, I wish Norwood gets suspended as well. I think most of the league wishes Norwood gets suspended. To be fair, um, um, what what was I going to say? The thing is with Reedy though, is I, I I like him as a footballer. I think he he brings goals and he'll bring work rate. But I don't know if you're aware or whether you you've seen him on Instagram before. He he fancies himself as a bit of a part like a bit of a part time social media influencer. He's always doing like Instagram lives where he's chatting up different women. You know what I mean? Like, he, like because him and Mark Kitchen live together or live in the same sort of apartment block, and I think they just like the social media lifestyle. So he's had it at previous clubs as well where he's been warned about his social media conduct. So you think maybe once he'd been warned the first time, it would kind of sink in. And but look, I think it would be. I mean, there's a lot of talk. Nobody really knows what's going to come out in the investigation. I think. Obviously, worst case would be that they get both get dismissed, but I think that would be an absolutely ridiculous and overreaction. Of I mean, there's a lot a... of interest. There's a lot of interest in Reed from other clubs in the National League just now. Yeah, a there is a lot of yeah, interest. No. I and think it's an absolute coup to get them picked up. You're looking at like I think I've seen South End linked to them, I, yeah. which would be great for them. Now they've had their transfer embargo lifted. Who else has I've seen? There was another club that I've seen that had been fairly heavily linked to them. I'll need to have a look yeah. at it, but I'll come back to it when we get it. But there's certainly teams that will snap him off if he gets dismissed. He will not struggle to find another club. Yeah. To be honest, if I'm Mickey Mellon there, I am doing sort of an internal suspension. So suspend them, suspend them until you've done your investigation. But then all they needed to do for me, or this is what I would have done, is tell them to make a significant contribution to uh, Frank's, you know, roll across the Atlantic for Alzheimer's coming out of their wage and a slap on the wrist and I think that would have been enough. Anything yeah. a, anything else that comes of this I think is just a little bit of an overreaction to be fair. But yeah. I guess it's kind of 
it's, it's also on the flip side of that, though. It's nice now to have a manager that, like, feels that he's the one in charge because for years, under Abdallah and Mo, we didn't have that. You know, they were ruling the rules from above. Now we're very aware that Mickey Mellon is the guy in charge and Mickey Mellon is the one with the bollocks, and I think that's important. I, I agreed. And do you know what? I think that's a really good point. If they could go, right, a good chunk to the sale, uh, to the sale, to the sale over the Atlantic, then great. That would be, I think, the, the perfect kind of fine punishment to do that rather than going through to anything else. I think I think that's a good one. Now, you mentioned about Mickey Mellon. Mm. A big change that came after the second the second tie when Hartlepool get beat 2-0 at Oldham was the, I think, inevitable sacking of John Askey as the Hartlepool manager. I mean, it came literally a couple hours after. Really un- unusually, you've seen the an, an interview go out of John yeah. Askey after the game. Usually when there's a sacking coming, you don't see anything. I thought it was coming the game prior. The, the thing we... is, I'm, not, I'm no body language expert at all, but in that interview, it's almost like he knew. You know what I mean? Maybe there was a conversation before he even did the interview because he just didn't He just didn't look like he didn't look bothered anymore. And yeah. like he, he just looked completely de- like a dejected and deflated. Um, but... I, I, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise because when Unsworth got sacked, uh, John Askey was like second or third favourite according to the bookies to take over at Oldham. And obviously different clubs can bring different things out of a manager. I'm not that naive to think about it. But seeing how Hartlepool have struggled so far this year, I'm kind of glad that we kind of stayed that ship and went with somebody with the experience to get us out of this division, really. I mean, is it John Askey's... Is the, is the blame fully to lay at John Askey's table? for it well i think a large portion of the brain brain a large portion of the blame gets put on uh, raj singh as well doesn't he i think but uh, like you said that 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 might not be an issue for much longer if the if the stories and the rumors are to be true about a potential takeover then for your sake i hope it goes through but i just think maybe like you say i think the obviously You've got Hastings, you've got, um, is it Callum Cook? Uh, yeah. Is it, yeah, I, I thought he, apart from Mantini, I thought he was your best player over the two games, personally. But yeah, I, mean, I, just, I think Callum Cook's a phenomenal player. He's a really good, I think it's quite clear that he's not a National League player. He, he's definitely yeah. a League 2 quality mid, centre midfield player, but he's got players that just don't know how to play the style that suits him around him. It's really difficult to get him yeah. going and the, the ability he wants um, to go. I know we rejected a lot of bids for Callum Cook over the summer, and I reckon more bids will come in throughout January for him, which will also get rejected. He's fairly happy to say he's aware he's under contract. He said he is, weirdly over an interview that he said in the summer, he said, I'm an employee of Hartlepool United, rather than saying that he's a player for Hartlepool United. I found that really weird for a player to say. But I, he's going to go in the summer. There's no way he will re-sign for us when his contract comes in. He is away. I think he's one of 15 players that are out of contract in the summer. And I'm happy to see the back of about 13 of those 15. Interesting. I think the only thing I would say kind of as like a kind of like a sticking up point for asking maybe is is when you lose somebody like Mancini who in, over the two games, over the brief cameos, that he played, you could see he has that sort of next level of quality. And when you, you know, when you don't, you, you now don't have 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have, but I don't think you have a recognised like striker anymore, do you? At the minute with Umara's injury and is Manny out as well? Yeah, Manny's um, out as well. So they're both so, injured. The only the only striker we've got now is is Joe Gray, and you could probably put Jake Hasty up front as well. But so you're you're always going to struggle when you lose players in like key areas, aren't you? That's the one thing I would say. Yeah. But like, I don't know what you think from like a style point of view, but from what I have seen of um, what I have seen of Askey and and Hartlepool's football style so far, it's been quite it's, a. Yeah, quite a tough watch and quite a defensive style football. And it'll be interesting now to see who comes in and, and what sort of freedom that they've got over sort of spending see, and, and stuff like that. Um, you say that, a defensive style. We can't we can't keep a clean sheet. Our defence our defense yeah. is the worst part of the team. Hartlepool, as of, I think it's the 21st of January, right, have not kept a home clean sheet in a year. We've got we've got one more league game between then and the 21st of January and if we do not keep a clean sheet in this next league game which against Oxford City, we have not kept a clean sheet at home for a year, which is shocking. Now, I think I, I looked back at other other things so you, you mentioned that you scored you equalized in our home game in the ninth minute. You also scored in the, was it the third minute you scored at home against Yeah, Hartlepool. at home, yeah. Some strike, by it's, the way. That was some strike. But again, defensively shocking. Our, our yeah. fullback should have done more to cover. There was no one covering in for him at all. It was te- terrible defensively to allow him to get that opportunity to score. But I think it's eight games this season Hartlepool have conceded in the first 10 minutes. And I think it's five of those we've conceded in the first five minutes. Now, this is where I lose. I lost patience with John Askey, and I think the decision was right to let him go. Defensively, we've been shocking. He's had 21, 22 league games to sort a defence out. He's chopped and changed his defence so many times. He's not allowed people to play together, to build relationships. But it's purely been down to the fact that he's been saying, well, they're not good enough. Well, allow people to build it. If you've got 21 games as a manager, you've got to be seen to improve players that you've got if you cannot bring new players in or you don't have the budget. It's just at least work on who you've got and improve them. We've got Matty Dolan sitting there, who is an EFL experienced EFL League 2 defensive mid-centre-back, who has pretty much sat on the bench for the whole season. He's played once, he was terrible in the game, but He's not been getting the game time to show his yeah. experience to improve. And the experience head could improve that back line. I think we've loaned out our best one of our best centre backs from last season, he done pretty. He again he had a bad game, but he was loaned out in the back of it, bring it back in. We had Charlie yeah. Seaman on loan from Doncaster at right wing back. He played really well at the start of the season. He had one bad game and he's fallen out of favour with John Askey. Mm. I, I just so don't the, understand what's the, going on with this back line. Do you think now? Askey's gone that, that that them players might be recalled because surely whoever the surely whoever the new manager is going to be is going to want a full overview to assess his squad in his own eyes. You know what I mean? That's the only 100%. good thing, really, isn't it? But 100%. I think it says it says a lot from a neutral because on Boxing Day I text you. We were we were chatting throughout the game and I said I said on a resay is his name. I said yeah. he he looks awful and you replied. The worrying thing is, he's our best centre half. 
He'd been our best centre back pretty much all season. He had a mayor, an absolute. Um, he had a mayor against you in the last game in the first half. There was a couple yeah. of things he'd done. I was like, oh my god, Manny, what are you doing? Yeah. Who do you think a, a suitable? I'll ask you from an outsider point of view, a suitable replacement for John Askey would be at Hartlepool. Now, keep in, keep in mind, there is a takeover possibly in the, on the going here. So is Raj Singh going to fund a permanent manager coming in? Or will he put it in on an interim basis? Or is this going to be a case of the new owners are also going to have a say in it? And whoever well, comes in, you- if they come in as a permanent, it might be an idea of the direction that they are wanting to take the club. You'll have to tell me first. Is is the takeover like imminent? Are we talking like end of the month, February, or, or, or like is it just rumours and talk for now? So it's at a due diligence stage. Apparently, proof of yeah. funds has been shown, and that's been the big sticking point. Yeah. There's been there's been talks of February thrown about, but again, how long's a piece of string? I won't believe it until it's announced. Because I think if you get um, new owners, or even currently now, I think your best option is obviously um, um, the name's just gone. We were just talking about it before. Help me out, Grant. Uh, Paul Paul Hurst. Yeah, Paul Hurst. Yeah, because obviously he's he's been at like this um, th- this level before, and he was at League Two level. Um, and he's been there and done it. He's a bit like Mel, and he's got promotions on his, you know, on on his CV, on, on his resume. And he also um, has worked at clubs with quite like ta- like um, shoestring budgets. And mm-hmm. I'm not say- saying Hartlepool is on a shoestring budget at the minute because I don't know your finances. But by the sounds of it, until you get new owners, it does sound like there's not much room to bring new players in. So maybe it it's, is a shoestring budget. Yes, yeah, one in, one out at the moment. Um, but yeah, in terms of experience, uh, it would be Daryl Clark for me. But you said you've got a list of five. Do you want to rattle through them and give me your reasons? Yeah, yeah I mean, Paul Hurst was was the, the first name I wrote down on my list as well. He obviously took Grimsby up most recently and done it in a very similar way that we went up a couple of years ago, came in the last playoff spot and then just took them all the way through and just had a great form run through the end of the season. Yeah. So I think he'd be a, a great person to bring in. I put Neil Wood into it. I don't know if that's too too big an ask. He's, I mean, he done really well at Salford the season before. Yeah, got them at the playoffs, and then, but they've just, I think, through no fault of his own, they've just really fallen off this season. I don't know. I can't put my finger. I mean, other than having really key injuries, but I think he would be, he'd be an absolute coup for us. I mean, we're we're not on a League Two podcast, and I don't know how much I can say, but I uh, used to work a little bit in and around Salford, and I, I've I know for, in, for for a fact that it wasn't just I don't know how to say this, but it wasn't just his crop of players turning up to training. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you can infer what I'm trying to get. At. From there, obviously, I can't really say much, but he's he were he was working under extreme circumstances towards the end of his uh, Salford time, I believe. So, yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. He'd, he'd be a good the choice, yeah. 
they're tight on training time as well, aren't they? I believe the council puts in strict restrictions on when yeah. they're able to train, and it's 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 difficult. It's been more difficult for them this season. So I think Neil would be an absolute coup at the club if we were able to get him. So if we're looking on a permanent basis, him, Paul Hurst would be two two really good ones. The other three I've put in, I would I would take them, but I would want them probably more on an interim basis. Okay. See it, until a takeover is done, until someone else can get brought in. Uh, Mark Tinkler is a, is a name that comes to mind. Again, absolute legend at Hartlepool, currently at Middlesbrough. I think he's Middlesbrough under 18s. He's in the youth setup at Middlesbrough. I think he would be a fantastic name to come in, but again, he's got no real management experience to come in. But again, club legend, he would work with people that maybe. Could bring in other coaching, and he knows a lot of people. There's close ties to Middlesbrough again. Could bring in some good youth, good youth loan players to help bolster the squad. So he's got a real good network. The other one he's linked to a lot of League Two clubs. When you see jobs come up, is Brian Barry Murphy. Yes, but he never oh. gets the he never gets given the job. Although I would say, I mean, it's hard in it because. So obviously he's he, his last job at sort of like League Two level and uh, the, the now in this division was obviously Rochdale and mm. I have a lot of Ro- Rochdale um, supporting friends and they said towards the be- towards the beginning it, he he was playing very very nice football and you can see why he went you know he went because I think is he one of the development coaches at Manchester City now I think yeah um, Man City development it, you can see why he got that opportunity but he, he said towards the end. He got that stuck in his ways of passing out from the back and passing out from the goalkeeper, even though Rochdale didn't have the capacity to confidently pass out from the back and pass out from the goalkeeper. But he didn't have a plan B and he didn't know how to change his game, his game and, his, and his tactics. And that kind of was what came up for, short for him at Rochdale, really. Yeah, I mean, he plays an attack. He plays a really attacking style football, but that's probably a game would be our downfall is that we can't defend for shit. So having someone like Bar- Brian Barry Murphy coming in would probably wouldn't. It wouldn't help that situation at all, but it'd be a great name to get in. Again, ex-Pools player. Um, yeah. The other one's a complete wild card, Julio Arca. Oh! I mean, that's just the fucking... It'd be an absolute firecracker to have at the club, <laughs> wouldn't it? Wow! That, that'd make the uh, National League even more exciting. Oh my God, could you imagine it? I'm just, Imagine I'm just looking last at... last game of the season relegation battle coming up. You've got Hartlepool v Dorking, so Hartlepool away at Dorking last game of the season. Either club could go down. You're looking Mark White and Julio Arca squaring up to each other. That was... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get in at... trouble again because I've said that Dorking are in a relegation fight. Did you did you well, see my trouble that was I, getting with Dorking fans the other the week? Thing is, right, so. So I get it. Like I did say to you, you've single-handedly managed to uh, to offend all of the Dorking fans on behalf of Luxport Media. But I get what you were trying to say, but I also get the Dorking fans' reaction because, like, it's it's not like any other club, is it, Dorking? It's no, his not club. At all. You know what I mean? He's he's brought them from the very bottom to where they are now. But also, I completely understand your point in terms of like. Is it getting a bit stale now? Do they need a bit of fresh blood to take them to mm-hmm. the next level? But then, I guess it's down to Mark to determine what the next, what he perceives the next level is, or what he, how he exactly. perceives what his end level is. You know, exactly. I didn't mean to. I, I'd seen a few comments saying, "Look, 
white out. And uh, by the way, since then, I've seen more comments saying Mark White needs to step aside. Mark White needs to stop being the manager. So th- there are comments. Yes, you don't hear it on the terraces and the fans love Mark White. The club loves Mark White. I, I get that. I, I think he's I think he's fantastic. And I think the club's fantastic, but it's just for the level that they want to go to, would it be a mature thing to do to bring a manager in? Because there'll be managers there that will go, I can take this club higher than they are. Yeah, they've had an injury-ridden campaign just now. And yes, I think the club's got the ability to go higher. The only reason I say things like this is because I really want the best for the club because I think yeah. the story of the club's amazing. I'm not saying Mark White should get out of the club altogether, but he can take the he can still have that. It's his club, his beauty, and he can yeah. still rise. And the club can still rise by just maybe going a little bit off piece from what the club's done in the past. I mean, prove me. Go prove me wrong. I really want you to. I want to see you get higher up the league. The thing is, I'm probably going to say something here that, that's going to make me join the list of being banished on Twitter by Dorking fans. But the the only problem you've got with that is, I think, well, I think Mark White is a brilliant character, and like, you need more of them in football. But also, I think he has got a little bit of an ego to where is like, I think it would hurt his, like, it would hurt his pride and his ego a little bit to kind of swallow his pride and, and say you know what, I'm going to step away because it is his baby in it mm-hmm. um, I, but... I can get fans getting wound up but it's it's a conversation point Dorkin fans I'm not saying that I believe I mean, he yeah. should, I'm not saying I believe he should go I'm, I'm not saying this, he should just walk away and, and jump off the that, plank if he stays he stays whole, cool he's that's doing, he's doing well that's a whole premise of a podcast to have a discussion with different opinions. <laughs> there's, no need, there's no need to call me a prick. Or say this, <laughs> this guy doesn't know ball. Who's that big, bald Scottish man talking about dogging? It's, it's fine. And I, I, felt, I felt bad as well because it was on the one week where you were completely on your own. And I, I watched it back and I was like, oh, Grant, he's thrown himself into the fire. <laughs> I know. It's all right. Um, that's why, that's why we've got this fire below us now, just to show. Yeah, the, exactly. The, I'm joining the, you now. The, Burning the burning of me, but yeah, that's that's my situation on on talking. That was a nice little segue, by the way, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Just uh, I'm gonna go backwards a slight set because I wanted to ask you something. As well, I've got the uh, odds for the Hartlepool manager at the minute, and Paul Hurst is four to one favorite, but at seven to one currently, I'm gonna give you a name, and I just want a yes or well, I'm gonna give you two names, and I just want a yes or no. Uh, right. Darren South. Mm. Mm. No. 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 And Graham Carrick. Oh, that'll be an interesting one. Michael Carrick's brother, isn't it? Um, yes. And the, obviously both the both uh, um Middlesbrough are these and Middlesbrough. Are in. There's those borough connections again. Um mm. I'd take Graham Carrick, but I'd want him to bring Mark Tinkler with him as well. I'd want connection to the club. Do you think... I don't know what the crack is. You might have one, and this shows poor ball knowledge at me, so how to pull fans if I get this wrong, come for me. Um, do you have a director of football at the football club working alongside a manager at the minute? Yeah, I don't have a fucking clue. Who's There's so many directors being in and out of Hartlepool this season. I, I, I not, don't know what's going on. If not, do you think you might need to employ a, a director of football as well as a manager? 
I think it would be a good thing to do. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story on this one. So this is going to take up a little bit of time. So apologies, folk, about this. I like so, how we're half an hour in the podcast and we've just become a podcast. <laughs> so here's a here's a little story. So we brought in Craig Hignett as director of football at the club, and we also around the same time brought in Richard Money as manager. And it was quite clear after a very short while that Richard Money was not up for it at all. So Richard Money went to Raj Singh. He was like, Mr. Chairman, because Raj Singh likes to get called Mr. Chairman. I, I, I don't want to be the manager of this club anymore. I want to be the director of football. Raj Singh went, okay, that's fine. You can be the director of football. So he pulls up Craig Hignett. He's like, Craig, you're the manager of the club now. Richard Money's the director of football. And Craig what? went, no, 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 I'm not. Like, I'm the director of football. I don't want to be the manager. I want to be the director of football. I want to put this style of play in for the club. I want to be able to get this set of players through and we can work with a manager or any future managers who come in to, to, to look and build this club to, to be in where it should be. And he was like, nah, Richard Money's the director of football. He says, if you don't take this manager's job, there might not actually be a director of football role. We might just make the role redundant and you redundant at the same time. Well, and he basically forced Craig Hignett to take the manager's job or else he would just make him redundant and then geez. bring in Richard Money as a different style of football footballing director. So yeah, he got forced in the position as manager, and then a little bit further down the line, Richard Money got in a an argument with a Hartlepool fan at a fish and chip shop, and then left the club <laughs> shortly after. Anyway, and Craig Hignett no. was lumped being the manager, and then eventually got sacked by text mess. No, he got sacked by oh, I can't even remember who it was. It sacked some someone at the club, text him or phoned him, telling him he was sacked. It was a bizarre, bizarre situation, and we went through loads and loads of directors and different roles. So I don't really know if we properly have one at the moment but i think that'll be down for the new the new ownership team should yeah. they come in to, to bring in and i think my first one would be bring craig Ignit back in the club because i think he knows the area he knows the club and he, he loves the club i think bringing him yeah. back in as a director of football would be would be great anyway what we're gonna what do, sorry go on i can see what we're gonna do before we crack on to talking about other clubs because we've spent a long time talking about we said we were ripping this plaster off early and getting it done we spent quite a long time talking about this, but there's been a lot to unpackage from these games. We are going to cut to our good friends, our advertisers, our sponsors, and we will be back in about a minute or so. We will see you then. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And welcome back into the room. Do you enjoy that one, Aaron? Best sponsors, Great. best ad, best ad. We're always, always so thankful for the sponsors. Ah, oh, I mean, where would we be without them? Where would we be without them? Right. What should we crack on to next? We've got a few. We've got quite a few double headers that we were we had kind of written down. We, I think, we'll, should we talk Rochdale because a lot happened yeah, in Rochdale. Yeah, Rochdale is probably logically the I next mean, place to go. It's not really. It's not really the double header that <clears> we were really going to talk talk about because it was. 2-0 to each home team when you're looking at Rochdale v Fylde. But it's the injury situation that Rochdale find themselves in now. Do you want to talk a bit about it, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, look, being an Oldham fan, I have plenty of Rochdale... I'm, I'm living in Rochdale. I have plenty of Rochdale supporting friends that I love to take the mick out of all the time. And my uncle supports Rochdale. We've been having banter over Christmas about Oldham being higher than Rochdale now with a game in hand. But... Actually, when when you take the banter away and look at the injury crisis, and I'm calling it a crisis because it is a crisis. You've got like seven first team players out now, and they've only got like a squad. They've only got like a squad of 16, 17 first team like senior players anyway before the season started. So obviously, well, should we talk about the the Rochdale win on Boxing Day first, and then yeah, go, go to the events at uh, Mill Farm on. New Year's Day. So obviously yeah. on Boxing Day, Rochdale got the the win at home at the Crown Oil Arena. Um, they they won two nil. Um, which we've talked about Rochdale and the sort of determination and togetherness of that squad. Um, because even even with the wins that they've been picking up, it's been decimated for months now with injuries. And we've talked about so highly about the job that Jim McNulty is doing and, and continues to do. And and you can see, regardless of what's going on, there's such a togetherness with that Rochdale squad. And I think that's important in situations like this, isn't it, Grant? Massively, massively. And they just seem to be plodding on and doing their business quite quietly. Do, do you think that they can get into the playoffs or do you think these injuries that they've got now are going to seriously hamper them and they'll find themselves finishing <laughs> kind of mid-table just outside? I'll be honest with you, if Rochdale got the takeover that we all thought they were going to get, I was seriously worried about Rochdale because I thought, yeah, they're going to get the playoffs quite easily. That's how good of a job Jim McNulty's done. Um, but obviously today, the well, yesterday, uh, the, with the injury we'll talk about in a second, uh, the added two more casualties to the list, but the big one today is George Nevitt is out for two months with um, I think it's ankle ligament problems. Now, Roch, from what I was reading, Rochdale were banking on a big sale of George Nevitt in January mm-hmm. um, to I think it was rumored Crystal Palace, wasn't it? Um, yeah. This January to to bring in the money. Now, obviously, that deal might get scuppered now because he can't play. You know, he might play in April, but that's a long way away. So there's a positive for Rochdale in terms of the, he might now stay till the end of the season and then sign a pre-contract anywhere else. But 
it's if I'm being honest and, and being realistic, I think in Rochdale's current situation, if they manage to get a top 12 with the players that they've got available to them right now, I think that would still be a very good achievement in the first year of the National League. And I think Jim McNulty should still get the plaudits for that. Because I just thought, oh, yeah. I, I think the injuries are just starting to take a toll now. And it's, it's not even like that they can really stretch in to the transfer market because we we've spoke about <laughs> sorry we've spoke about Rochdale's um financial situation and it's not good and it's it's no. still not good so it's not like they can just go out and spend money so any any players that they're going to have are going to be loan players you know so they are in a really difficult situation so i think realistically the top half finish would be a massive achievement for Rochdale at the minute what and a sale a sale of that magnitude as well could have allowed them to bring in Two, three players, yeah, as well, yeah, and so the injuries probably happened at the worst possible time for them, yeah. Um, because that would have been we. I was saying that Hartlepool have a a one in and one out policy. It's probably the exact same at Rochdale. You'd be looking at one in one out unless you get a big name, a big wage off the books. I mean, we say that though, but I think I think there must be a little bit of investment, maybe behind the scenes a little bit because. They were one of the first ones to announce like a big signing, and I say a big signing in terms of a Rochdale team. Obviously, they announced a permanent signing of um, uh, Ryan East from Bradford, didn't they? And yeah. nobody expected that. Like, no. I don't think any Rochdale fans expected that and for that for that to happen. I think surely there must be a bit of investment from somewhere, you know. So maybe 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 there is bits and bobs going on, but I don't know. I think Jim McNulty deserves all the plaudits in in the in the world at the minute. And like obviously the the situation yesterday, I mean, so for those that, that don't know, um Rochdale lost 2-0 in the reverse fixture at Mill Farm yesterday, but the, the game almost became insignificant really, didn't it, Grant? Because oh. around around about I think was it the seventy-fourth minutes? I can't remember. It was right late in. into the Late into the second half, anyway, um, the the winger uh, Jerison, uh, how did we say we were pronouncing? It? I, I can't remember how. I, I'm not even going to attempt to see his name because I will. I'm just going to. I'm just going to call him Jez. Okay. Jez. Um. So he he put a cross in, but then ran out of room on the pitch. And anybody that's been to Mill Farm know that for some strange, bizarre, massive health and safety blunder they have um these like con um sorry they have like these metal boards that look like advertising boards but they're so close to the end of the pitch and there's basically a wall with a drop at the other side so the the Rochdale player um ran out of room and got a little bit of a a little bit of a shoulder to shoulder push which happens up and down the country so i don't think that that, that that's a problem oh, really like, there was no malicious intent in that at all I, was there? i know a lot, a lot of rochdale fans were saying oh they pushed him over the barrier it happens that in every game up and down the country every weekend yeah. that's not the issue but what what the big issue is here is a player's gone over the advertising boards over a wall and knocked himself out unconscious by hitting his head on the concrete on the other side of the wall, how is that a regulate a regulated like allowed thing in the national league? It's I do mad. not because that's crazy. on one of the it's like one of the steel beams on the terraces, isn't it? So you get the the safety the safety beams really is what it is. He, he just cracked his head off, 
But my days, it was it was horrible to see. I could put into our group chat, and they were like, "Just watch at your own at your own discretion." And yeah, he was he was out, and there was serious serious concerns for him. Yeah, but, and also we were talking about referees before. I feel like I should mention this for Rochdale fans because I know they'd want this mentioning, and they're absolutely bang on. The the referee didn't stop the game straight away, no. and I don't know how the can I. I always forget whether I can swear or not on these podcasts. Yeah, you can, can. swear on this. I've swore already. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the fuck the referee hasn't stopped the game. Like, your job as a referee there is obviously, of course, to referee the game, but you also have a duty of care to the 22 men that are on the pitch with you. And he, he just let the game go on and go on. And it was only when the Roch, I think it was Jimmy Keown maybe, went over to check on Jez. And he was like, he was like this to the medics, like you could see the distress on his face. Mm-hmm. It was only then that the referee decided to stop it. And I think there needs to be serious consequences for that referee as well. And that he needs to uh, get up on his mm-hmm. like safeguarding training or something. Um, I, we because... talk, I think we talk about the quality of the refereeing in general every single week. And they were, oh, they were talking about it on the championship podcast as well, just about how poor the quality of refereeing has been this season. Not just on the pitch, but for situations like this, we just need to watch the well-being of fucking players. Like yeah. they're under your duty of care in that match. Keep the lid on the game and and just look after them. Stop the game when you need to. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to mention that Rochdale did put a statement out today saying that he he um he is sta- I think he's stable or or he might have even been discharged from hospital but he doesn't have any any fractures or anything like that from the from the yeah. collision i think it would just probably be um maybe under concussion, uh, concussion protocol maybe at the worst yeah um yeah, so he'll be 10, like, 10 days 10 days now yeah which is obviously great news in 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 terms of the health of the player but not good news from a footballing perspective from daylight like we were saying but like i said when things like this happen Football and the sort of sport of football kind of pales into insignificance, doesn't it? Because, like I said, we're not even over exaggerating this injury. If you want to see it, it is available on Twitter. But there was periods where I seen that and I was like, the guy's not moving, you know? Yeah. Like, I, you know, it was it was horrific and just thoughts and prayers to to him and and his family. And I'm glad that he looks like he's going to make a speedy recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he's back on the pitch playing sooner rather than later. It's for Rochdale and for himself. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Big Sale. I'm using this as a very, very loose segue. It's not really a segue because we've spoke about it a little while ago, but I want to talk Big Sale and I want to talk Eastley because there is a player here at Eastley who is apparently, I can't, there's nothing set, nothing happening, but there is rumours and there is reports linking Paul McCallum, the league's top goal scorer. So he's, what, 22 goals in 21 games in the league and 25 goals in 23 games in all competitions. It's a, it's, it's a mad record that he's got. You've got an XG one as well that you had about him. But he is yeah. linked to League Two teams. He is linked to Sutton. He's linked to Wimbledon and Forest Green Rovers, apparently. But Eastleigh have, again, apparently slapped a £300,000 price tag on him. 
the thing is though, like we, we, we say people say, Oh, that's too much. What what I think people don't realise or don't remember when when a club slaps the price tag on on a player, it's what that what that club deems that player to be worth to the football club. It's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like do you know what I'm trying to say? It's not necessarily him being a three hundred thousand pound footballer, but he's worth that to the football club. So I think I think any valuation for a football club is more than fair because it's what how the pressure they perceive the player to be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of course. And when you're looking at the goals per games that he's he's setting for them, would they be where they are without him? Probably not. Is Chris no. McGuire going to pull in the amount of goals that he's scoring if he wasn't available? Probably not. Like it's yeah to to bring in someone of that caliber, you need to spend at least that amount back to get someone in. And who who would they get in to replace him? Would they bring Danny Johnson in, who's not really been featuring in League Two? Would he drop down the National League three hundred thousand pounds? You'd probably get him for about one hundred and fifty. It's a real Sean Adarko. Would you buy him? I from who is it? The Sean Adarko is that? I'm gonna have to edit this, but maybe. <laughs> my my knowledge, my knowledge. This is where he's just whatever happens, stay away from James Norwood. <laughs> Three hundred grand wouldn't get you James Norwood at all. Would it? He's it is mad to think we got, we got James Norwood on a free transfer. Oh, um, but well, you know what? So I stole. I'm going to steal this from Twitter. I can't remember who who said it. So again, we might have to edit it and give credit. But somebody put out a tweet and said that um, McCallum's XG is on track to be greater than both Langstaff's and Paul Mullins was last season. But he do- nobody seems to talk about it because he's playing for Eastleigh. And I thought, I thought that was a bang on fair assessment. You know, that is it's- crazy numbers because everyone was waxing lyrical and and you know saying that they were the two best players to ever come out of the National League, which they, they might well be. But like. He's on on track to break that, and I'm not saying he's going to break that because anything could happen. He could touch what it doesn't happen, but he could go into the next game and get a season and you know season mm-hmm. engine injury or whatever. It, 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 football doesn't always happen the way it should, but the fact that that conversation is being have, have is taking place and nobody seems to be recognizing it is crazy to me. I mean, imagine it if he ends up breaking their both of what they scored in the league. It would be <clears> mad. <throat> it would be absolutely Adarqua. Wheelstone. I don't know why it didn't yes. crack to me because everyone was talking about how he was from the same years, like the same the, the replacement for Wheelstone that they never had when Josh Romero left. It's, and he's just he's doing cracking for them just now. It's funny though, so I didn't know the teams he was linked with until you mentioned them then, but I don't know what you think. So out of what did you say? Sutton, Sutton, Forest Green and And Wimbledon. So out of them three, to me. If anyone screams a Troy Deeney striker, to me, it is Paul McCallum. Is it not to you? Yeah, yeah I think so. He would fit in, he'd fit in well. And Boris like, Green have the, have the money to be able to splash 300000 yeah. on a striker. And Forrest Green, I think, will splash money to try and avoid the drop because I don't think they can yes. afford to drop out of the league with their new stadium complex that they're building. I think they need to stay in. So I, I think they will come in with a big bid and possibly for Paul McCallum. Yeah. And I just think I think he would fit the Tridini football philosophy to a T, to be fair. Just a, 
a big menace, you know what I mean, a unit <laughs> um, that that is t- a tidy goal scorer as well. But obviously, he's, he's quite good with like hold up play and linking up play as well, isn't he? He's got a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. He's um, yeah, he is the almost complete striker at this sort of level. I'm gonna go to the results that Eastley had on their double header. Their double header was with Dagenham. I, I Eastley lost four one at Dagenham, and then at Eastley they drew four each. So I mean, a lot of goals in those games, thirteen goals. But Eastley conceded eight against a team that yeah. aren't. Great, and Eastley have been pushing the playoffs. They've been pushing to potentially try to get in the playoffs. What would you be thinking if you're an Eastley fan coming out of those two games, not with at least four points? Yeah, I mean, eight goals in two games for any team is a worry, isn't it? But look, it could it could just be a football like a footballing anomaly. You know, these things happen. But like, I think. If you're chasing the playoffs, you can't have that sort of because if if them sort of results carry on and become a sort of constant theme, your goal difference is going to be let down by the end of it. And if you're chasing the playoff place, your goal difference can be the difference between making a playoff place and not making a playoff place, can't it? So mm. it's I mean, they're in they are in a negative goal difference. So considering with a goal difference of minus three currently, that I think in the Places above them, only one other team has a negative goal difference, which is Aldershot, who have a minus two goal difference, and they're sitting eighth. Weird, they were clubs in eighth with a negative goal difference. But again, Eastleigh are still one of the biggest conceders in the league, so it's just a a problem area for them at the back. Eastleigh, we know what you need to fix in January. Get fixed. Just completely random off tangent because we love one. Can we talk, please, about how tight this playoff picture this I know it's still very early, but how tight the playoff picture is actually looking right now. I didn't realize until I started doing research for this podcast. But anyone from maybe from maybe Maidenhead in uh sorry, Weldstone in 13th to Gateshead in fifth, uh, separated by seven points. Yeah, have we ever had a a tighter playoff race than that? I don't think, or playoff picture than that at this point. I don't think we have. It's so so tight, and I think this shows that you see in the National League when I mentioned Grimsby's run that they had, and I mentioned Hartlepool's run. You see, the end of the season, you always see a team put a run of form together that just like try and appear from the back of out of nowhere so you could see like a wheeled stone just going right, you know what, let's go. And they just win, 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 win. And then they just sneak into that seventh spot. Yeah. It's so easy to do. And then you've got form on your side. You've got the most playoff games to play, but you feel like no one's going to touch you. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean... it's wide open just now. And you mentioned it to me, the results just went in Oldham's favour the other day and you managed to close the gap up. So now you're what, one point out of the playoff spots. I mean, so we're one point out of the playoff spots, but we're also four points off four. <laughs> that to me is, that is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Come, ab- and 
a lot of Oldham fans have been a lot of Oldham fans have been saying this, and again, we're not just turning this into an Oldham out the pool podcast for the sake of it, but unfortunately, that's who we both support. So, uh, um, we're forgetting that we give uh, I can't, maybe 12, 13, 14 games of this season to an absolute football dinosaur in David Unsworth, and we were so far off the playoff pace when he left, like. It's just, it's mad. Obviously, it's crazy because if you put things into perspective at the start of the season with what we spent and the expenditure, we were our second favourites for the title. I'm fully aware of that. But if you also would have told me that we were one point off the playoff going into the January window uh, with a game in hand on a team like Rochdale, I would absolutely snap your hand off considering where we started the season. I, I I put my money on Oldham to win the league this season. I'll cash um, out and get I'll cash out and get my one pence back. <laughs> I'm probably not even um, getting off of that now. But but yeah, it's just it's just mad in it. Like I mean, I, I I think I said this in the group chat. Like so I've had a season ticket or I've been going to Latics for pretty much like maybe eight, 18 to 20 years now and I've never ever seen Oldham even in a playoff race. Never mind in the actual playoffs. I've seen two relegations. That's all I've seen in my lifetime. So Don't. excuse me, excuse me for getting a little bit overexcited, but I am very excited at the minute. Well, I hope if you get to the playoff final, you get a more exciting venue than the playoff final than that we got for ours. So I, I feel really hard done by for what we got. <laughs> we we played Torquay in the playoff final and. Right, so you know where Hartlepool is geographically, northeast. Yeah. You know where Torquay is geographically, right, southwest, so, right? Yeah. Our playoff final game was at Ashton Gate, Bristol. But playoff final? Playoff final, Ashton Gate, Bristol. Now, just up the road for Torquay and a fucking trek for Hartlepool. Like, what's that all about? <laughs> Next year, the season after, West Ham Stadium. <laughs> like, give us a decent stadium. Like, why couldn't they put it in like, Leicester or something like that? Like, it doesn't need so, to be Wembley, but so give us when, a decent when, stadium. But when did they all change? Like, when did they all change to Wembley? Since the National League, I think since Vanarama came in. It's not Wembley right. anymore. But hey ho, it is what it is. We won that one. Do you know what? I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep up in the the playoff sort of area and then the top end of the table here. A nice little, a nice little segue through to Solihull v Chesterfield. It was an interesting doubleheader, wasn't it? I mean, we were looking going. Do you want your fancy? Ch- you, you fancy Chesterfield to win absolutely every game that they go into, and then Solihull turned them over two 0 Did you see it coming? No, I'm, I mean. It's it's one of them, isn't it? It's like it's like they've got that much of a buffer that I wonder whether at some point, you know, a couple of them might have had a little bit too much Christmas turkey, too many pigs in blankets, and they just get a little bit complacent because I could, I'm not excusing it, but that can happen, can't it? When you've got such okay. a gap, you know what I mean. So so like that can happen, but it, they just didn't look like Chesterfield to me, or they didn't look like the, the Chesterfield side we we've been no. used to and been in awe of. Um, I mean, there's what a seven point buffer that they've got to Bromley with two games in hand. Like, you're potentially looking 13 points clear at the end of this month, which is unheard of. We, I still think the league will be tied up by March for them. 
But it was the return fixture that I found the most interesting because you were looking at half time. Chesterfield were again 2 0 down to Solly Hill Moors. It's like, mm-hmm. what's going on? If, if are Solly Hill, are they the kryptonite to, to Chesterfield this season? Like, the Christmas hangover part too. Yeah, definitely. They, they're getting the new year party started really, really early. So Callum, who does a lot of our articles in the National League, is he's a Solly Hill fan. So in the group chat, he's like, Solly Hill are doing it again. And he put a, he put a tweet up on non-league look and he's going, Solly Hill Moors, brain exploding one. And I was like, I was like, oh my uh, God. Uh, I went, oh my, I went, oh my God, Callum, you are gonna do the uh, this happened in this timeline, right? Callum, you are gonna do the double over Chesterfield. He went, Grant, don't. He says, You of all people are not allowed to say that because you will curse it. And then next thing, Grant, fuck off. <laughs> Chesterfield, score, nailer, bang, done. And I was like, oh, God, it started. A couple of minutes later, I looked again and went, Callum, I'm really, really sorry. Call Clough, bang, two each. And I was like, oh, no, it can't get any worse than this. Callum, I've, I've, I've done a pulls on you here. I've really fucked this off. <laughs> Well, Greg's on fire. Bang. Solly Hill's defence was terrified. 3 2. The goals came within five minutes of each other. And it was six minutes after I sent that message saying, God, you guys could really do the double over Chesterfield here. So, Callum, I'm really, really, I'm really, really sorry. To be fair, it's what Callum deserves for having more teams than I have operations. So, um, yeah. But he actually said to me, he said, I don't know if you've seen it in the group chat yesterday, he said, I've just put money on Oldham swapping places with Solihull. He said, I love that Solihull side, but he, he he just said, they're not equipped for a playoff, like chasing a playoff race. He said, he's got, they've got too many. And these were his words. So Solihull fans, don't come for me, come for, come for Callum, uh, uh, at Callum LSM on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and these were his words. He was like, we've got too many bottlers in our squad. And I think that is just proving it, isn't it? You know, or at least maybe not bottlers because they've already beaten once in, in in the Christmas period. But inconsistency might be the better word. Yeah, I mean they had a really good start, but then they their goalkeeper left, didn't he? So they left. They lost a keeper early in, early on. They brought him Sam Sam Hornby on loan. Then Sam Hornby got recalled. So they've not had a consistent keeper this season either. So I think that's probably what we'll see them. I think we'll probably see Solihull sign a new keeper in this transfer yeah. window. So that would be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic of them at the back. I'd like to see them stay in the playoff positions. I think they will. I think they're a solid enough team to do to do the job. Is there anyone that you see that will that would climb into the playoffs? And so, if they do. Looking at the clubs, including that club that you think may be able to climb into, you can include Oldham in this, by the way. Who, well, the, do, who the, would you see as favourites to go up I, from the playoffs? I don't want to sound like an egotistical, arrogant prick right now, but because we're only one point behind it, I kind of expect us to be cemented in it anyway by the end of the season, if I'm being honest. So I'm not going to count us as a team that I'd expect to climb. You know what I mean? Because we're only okay. one point behind it. So I will go for. I mean, I mean, if anyone, if anyone, 
it's a it's a big ask. It's a big ask. But you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? I mean, it's such a tight league. You, you've even got people as well. I'm looking as far down as like 15th and 16th with York because they're only 10 points off. You know what I mean? Um, and they've just seen Billy Chadwick. Well, yes, exactly. But I said previously, didn't I? I said, I said, if any of these like lower half teams scare me, it's Southend United. And I just feel like now the embargo has been lifted. I feel like they could go a bit crazy and just start signing, you know, good I mean, quality it, players. Is the takeover fully completed yet at Southend? I know the embargo has been lifted because there's been a significant development which has satisfied both the HMRC and the National League. So is this the new ownership now is taking place within Southend and will the transfers now, what will we see coming in? I'm I'm guessing if it's not done, it's a case of like crossing the I's, dotting the T's by yeah. the sounds of it, isn't it. And look, they'd have like a 12 I mean, point cross, gap. Crossing the T's and dotting the I's. <laughs> yeah, well done, Grant. I was hoping somebody didn't notice that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I 12 points is a big gap to, to <laughs> climb back, especially at this point in the season. But I feel like if any team's going to do it, going through what Southend have gone through um, this year and adding good quality to it, and with a manager like Kevin Mayer, then it could be them. But I, I just don't know whether the 12-point buffer is going to be too much for them to overcome. I think it is going to be too much for them to overcome. I mean, they've overcome so much this season anyway. One, being able to play their games early doors when they were training with no yeah. running water, no electricity. They had fans in pulling the stadium together, getting everything ready. The, the conditions that they've had horrific. A 10-point gap, which they've already obliterated that they're on level points for Hartlepool now it's yeah they've been they've had a phenomenal season and, and Mayers even if they don't land in the playoffs for me he's my manager of the season I think he's been he's done yeah, a phenomenal absolutely. job with them to just galvanize that squad and the good I, thing I don't, is I think they'll fall I think they'll fall short I don't think they'll get into the playoffs but I think I they are the- my team to watch next season yeah well that's what i was going to say it's kind of like us when we got taken over by um frank it's kind of that situation isn't it like as long as the takeover goes through and everything's kosher they they then have fresh foundations to build upon don't they and i think that's the yep. most important thing so if if southland is a little bit too unrealistic for us i'm gonna play it safe and i will go see there's a part of me that wants an old and Rochdale player final just for the spiciness, but I just don't know whether Rochdale's injuries are going to uphold. But you know what? For the sake of a bit of banter and and like that being my dream player final, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Daly to get to the playoffs. Jeez, that's a big big ask. I I don't think they'll make it. I think News will make it. I I think Bromley will do it. I really yeah, do. Well, They're so hard to play against. They're yeah. a tough, tough team, and and we know I, how I much they'll do it. We know how much love this this company's got for uh, Andy Woodman. I've got even before that. I had a lot of love for Andy Woodman, <laughs> yeah. but no, I think I think Bromley will do it. They failed in the playoffs before, but they didn't have that that kind of playoff advantage spot that they had. Okay, then. So I'm going to ask you to put your neck out on the line then, right? So what? first of all, what is your playoff order if you're putting Oldham and Bromley in the playoffs now? Who's dropping out for us both? And also, 
Who who wins your playoff picture in your head? Alti drop out. Okay. And who wins the playoffs? Did you see? Yeah. If if wasn't Bromley are in there, who do you reckon wins it? Bromley. That that hurt, Grant. That really hurt. But Bromley. This is typical likes to bottle it. We'll probably get to Wembley. I'll probably like be so excited and we'll get beat three and all summer. See if see if you get the playoffs and you just get to Wembley, I'll be fucked. <laughs> Bye. If you went from Ashton Gate to West Ham to Wembley. <laughs> no way. I'll be furious <laughs> if that's the case. If you get to go if you get to go and sit in the disabled section at Wembley, I will be fucking raging. I'll FaceTime you, don't worry. I'll be raging. I'll be. I'll be trying to get arranged to do commentary or something at Wembley. But I know you've got a big. I know you've got a big media section. Let me come and just sit there and do a bit of commentary on this. No, but I think you might be right because I've never known a league ever to have as complex a playoff system as a national league. I mean, it was great to watch as a neutral last year, but. My nerves and my brain damage won't be able to handle the pressure of, uh, uh, what what is it called? Uh, what is it called? The first one is it a playoff eliminator? Before eliminator. Yeah, yeah, the I eliminator. Mean, I mean, that just sounds menacing. Before it's, you know what I mean? It's just sounds like somehow a bloody one robot. game. One game. Like, that's you done. But saying that, I feel like just again, that's how depressing my my supporting time of Latics has what been that I would just take the playoff experience this year. You know what I mean? Just being in and around the mix. Um, it's horrific. It's yeah. horrific but brilliant at the same time. I love and hate playoffs. Uh, genuinely, if we won that playoffs, I'd do Jack Grealish times 10 when City won the treble. You wouldn't see me for about two months, I'm telling you. <laughs> we'll keep that for we'll keep that for a non-PG podcast or yeah. we'll keep that for the non-PG what, group chat. What, what, what sport media after dark? <laughs> I think I think that's a good note to end this on, do you? Yeah, perfect. I think I it's think it's a, a good one. So, oh uh, mate, it's been it's been absolutely brilliant having you back. Hopefully next week we are back with a full contingent and back with a three. I am um, we should be. We've got a couple of new people in the line as well. We've got Luke that is still here. We guest appearance in the solo one. So it'll be good to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I'm um, anyone anyway, everyone don't forget, give us a follow on all of our social channels. You know, we are here on Twitter, we've got lower league look, look sports media, non-league look all on Twitter. We are also on Facebook, LinkedIn as well. Big up LinkedIn. YouTube, this video is all on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the little bell to be notified when any video goes live. We are also on TikTok as well. There's plenty of fond up content on TikTok. So if you go there, oh, drop us a follow. Yeah, see, God's number nine in action many more times. Anyway, everyone, have a great day. Stay safe. Thank you one again, once again for listening. We have been Luke Sports Media and the non-league National League. Look, bye-bye. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.